Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Generic Podcast, where we talk about everything horror, sci-fi, and sometimes fantasy. We have a pretty cool episode for today. Uh, If you are not aware, uh, come June 1st, confirmed sightings will be dropping. As of right now, you can head on over to saltheartpress.com if you would like to pre-order a copy of this book, Confirmed Sightings, which I suggest you should. It comes out on June 1st, so uh, a little bit of time, whether you want to pre-order or if you want to just pick it up when it comes out. You know, the date there is pretty close. So this episode is pretty chock full with a lot of good information. Some of it I just wanted to put out there right away, just in case some of you miss it. Uh, If you're looking for different places where you could submit some of your work, both Submission Grinder and The Horror Tree are two places that you could go ahead and check out uh, to see where different uh, deadlines are for open uh, submission calls. Uh, In this episode, we talk a lot about the approach. Uh, If you're writing, are you a pantser or a planner? That's always a very common subject here. Uh, How to be a friend and a good resource or critiquer. I feel like that's a pretty important thing that a lot of people don't talk that much about, and it's something that we need to really look at more, uh, not only as uh, writers and creators, but as friends of writers and creators, and how to give that good critical feedback. Uh, There are also a lot of other authors that are listed in this episode uh, as as far as um, cited inspirations are Shirley Jackson, Thomas Ligotti, uh, Ryan Ebison, Jeff Vandermeer, Carlton Mellick III, Danger Slater, Stephen King, John Padgett, and more. Once again, thanks for checking out another episode of the Generic Podcast. And without wasting any more of your time, let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Generic Podcast. We got a first today. This is pretty cool. I got more than one guest on the show today. So we got kind of like a little bit of a round table discussion. Our guests today are Bridget and Ryan. Thank you all for coming on the show for today. How are you all doing? Thank you for having us. We're doing great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing awesome. So you got a pretty cool concept here for those who are are not familiar there is a novel coming out i believe is it the first of june it's, it's coming yes, out june 1st yeah so confirmed sightings plem who has been a guest on the show before is also uh she's the third author on this collection and she unfortunately is is not able to be here because of some personal matters uh but the book comes out on uh, June 1st. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting was the um, tied kind of theme or character that y'all have here. 
And uh, what makes it so interesting is so y'all are writing about Paisa, which is a Native American uh, mythos. And is it there, is actually there is not. So it's not. An, it's not. Um, Okay. We don't know what it is. Um, I'm from the area where this painting was discovered. It was uh -huh. noted in Lewis and Clark's journals, in Mar uh, Marquette's journal as he was journeying down the river, that they saw this painting and they had rough sketches of it. And I was raised with this story about a local tribe that had to sacrifice their warriors to this Piasa bird and everything. And so when I got older, I really wanted to look into it because it was a part of my childhood. And I learned that some white dude in 1905 just totally made up that story what? um and he started telling it to like a kids group that i guess he was a leader of i don't know if it was boy scouts or if that was too early for boy scouts i'm not up on my boy scout history but um it actually became a boy scout thing then and oh, they wow. started uh recreating the painting every year they would go out and maintain it on the cliff face so there's a plaque and everything of this story that some dude just totally made up. We have no <laughs> idea who painted that thing or why. So, <laughs> so there's like a, a more mystery behind it. Than, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I had always been under the impression like that was one of the things when I started reading it and I was looking at the the, the cover art and I was like, oh, I'm, they're writing about Paisa. That's like that the cool like Native American thing. And then that's like a mind blown kind yeah. of thing. And I, I think even the name is totally made up. Like they yeah. just, yeah, they just went with something that sounded, you know, vaguely native as that, um, you know, I'm, I'm in the Midwest along the Mississippi River. We have a lot of that. So, you know, just, uh, yeah, some old white guy. <laughs> Myth busting here on, here on the generic podcast right off the bat. <laughs> what was was it that, that drew you all to that kind of mythos there and the, the, the different iterations I, of it? I, Brian can correct me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but I think this was drinking involved that we were kind of like laughing about <laughs> it. Cheers, and cheers. the thing is that I wanted, I had made a joke that I was going to get a Piasaw bird tattoo on me because I have a tattoo from everywhere I've lived. And I was like, I don't have one from my hometown, so I'm going to get a tattoo. And then I went back and I looked at the art of it and I said, wow, that is really going to be a heinous tattoo. That is a very, not a great picture. And uh, so I approached um, Plim, who is a friend of mine and owed me some art. And I said, hey, will you draw me a funny Piasaw that I could maybe get tattooed on me? And she became obsessed with this idea. I think she's got now like what, like five Piasaw merchandise items on her web store, like different sketches. Yeah, I think it's one of her most popular sellers at this point. It has to yeah. be. From a tattoo drinking conception all the way to the uh, different stories that you all have, which is which is pretty cool. Um, sometimes, I mean, you never know what you're going to get with anthologies and collections. Sometimes it's like all the stories are very similar. Uh, but I think one of the things that pops out, at least to me with, the stories that you wrote is they're all vastly different and um ryan's like your story the whole time i was reading it, it i i kept envisioning i was in one of those like final fantasy towns and there's like this detective case going on and it was just like it was the most interesting thing that i i've read in a while as far as fantasy goes and i was wondering how how did you come up with the the setting for that? I mean, it's very fantastical in the way that it's it's, it's put together. 
Yeah, it was actually kind of a funny story. Me and some friends were reading a a different book, completely different book. I'm not going to name it here, but I read the back cover copy and it said something about Bigfoot investigating a crime. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's going to be about cryptids. Sounds fun. So I started reading it and turns out it is not about cryptids. It was nowhere even close to cryptids. Uh, There's just a person named Bigfoot in it. Um, I think actually Bigfoot might've died in it and someone else was doing the investigating. I forget, but (laughs) I walked away with a dashed uh, expectations and uh, was kind of upset. and, And a friend made a joke and said, if you want a murder mystery about cryptids, you should write one. Like that sounds cool. And I was like, well, maybe one day I will. And kind of just went to the back of my mind until talking with Bridget and Clem. And they were like, we should do something together. Maybe you could do cryptids because we all love the Piasa. And I was like, oh my God, this is my time. I can finally write this, this murder mystery I've had at the back of my mind for so long. <laughs> so you have Paisa as like the, the central figure in each of these stories, but especially for yours, Ryan, what are what were all the inspirations for for bringing in those other creatures was it was it just like the the love for cryptids and creatures or were there specific ones where you're like they have to be in this story um i knew i wanted the piasa involved i'm not gonna say anything more about the piasa in my story um because I think that's, uh, I don't, I just don't want to say any more about that. So mm-hmm. I knew I wanted the Piasa involved and I knew I needed Bigfoot involved or Yeti. Every other cryptid was totally up for, you know, I, I, I did my research. I read up on a bunch of different ones. I tried to be um, diverse in my selection. I didn't want just American, North American cryptids. I wanted cryptids from all over the world. I think we have Indonesian cryptids, uh, African cryptids, American cryptids. So I tried to just select cryptids from everywhere. And I had so much fun doing the research. Like I knew about the popular ones, about the Mothman and about the Yeti, but I didn't know about the Ahul or the Mingwa. Uh, and it was so much fun to read about them and and where they came from and the lore behind them. So, yeah. How much research did you did you have to do before you came to a conclusion as, as to how to piece your story together? Um, I had a general idea on how I wanted the story to go. So I kind of knew who I wanted my uh, killer to be, if you will. And then from there, I built the story around that. Um, So I kind of started backwards. And then I started filling in the pieces. I knew, you know, we needed a gang. So we have a Mothman gang. And I knew I needed the main mafia uh, that kind of ran the city. Um, So I had my Jersey Devils. And I thought that was a lot of fun. I always imagined them with thick Jersey accents uh, when they were talking. So and that I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, but a lot of the little pieces kind of fell into place from there. Um, you know, the mer women, uh, the mer whores, if you will, uh, at the at the uh, in the seedy part of town. You know, they got the kraken out in the out in the water doing kraken yoga. Like those little touches <laughs> were kind of just uh, more minor details um, yeah. because I really wanted to make the world as rich as possible with all different cryptids. Yeah, well, I mean, you you definitely succeeded. I mean, it's 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 the the and I, and I guess some of it is is because of a lot of like the fantasy. I, I don't, I don't want to say I'm like a huge fantasy video game player, but I do play a lot of like I get a lot of those visuals from a lot of different games. So it's like when you do bring up all these different creatures, it's like I could, it's, it's easier for me to visualize them, which is like super important. But speaking of research, Bridget, for your, your story, <laughs> which I'm 
I could not stop laughing when I was reading it. Um, <laughs> but for uh, a Paisa for Christmas, so it's about a an online makeup blogger. Yes, and that's not going so great for her. So luckily, she <laughs> she falls in love with the Paisa bird and has a new hook for her blog. Yeah. So are are there um some traces of research that you had to do for yours or so uh, just like Ryan said hers was a funny story mine was also a funny story this is not the story I originally wrote for this trilogy I got I think it was 14,000 words into another story and it was a historical riverboat piasaw bird attack and then halfway through it I was like you know I I think I've done enough research to do this credit but I was terrified that someone was going to tell me that I wasn't they weren't punting at that point or that they were in a different type of boat or something I was like I can just see the comments already and I ended up scrapping it wrote this and then I sent it over to Plim and said uh this is not at all what I promised you but uh I wrote this instead and she loved it so (laughs) it it worked out there So the the, uh, the the character that you have, uh, Casey Cooley, this is one of the characters, and I'm wondering about if it was easy or if this was like the way that you you meant for this character to be, but it is very, like I've met people like this before, I feel like most of us have, where you just like warn them about all the bad things that could happen, and you're like, no, it's, it's okay, like it's fine, it's you're, getting you're clicks, what does she care, you know, yeah, yeah, oh no, so absolutely. It, what like drove you to pick that kind of character mindset or, or direction for that character? Actually, I think it's because I was watching a lot of TikTok. And at the time, the thing that was coming up over and over again were those live-in girlfriend blogs where they would just talk about their day and everything. And I don't know the voice that they use when they would talk about, and then I make my third green smoothie of the day and a matcha latte. And then I do my journaling. And so like that voice was just in my head as I was writing her. So I think that that is where that came from. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, I just want to shoot back to you, Ryan, because uh, I I have not visited the East Coast of, of Massachusetts quite enough when I when I lived there. So I, I spent <laughs> about 29 years in 28, 29 years, something like that in New England. And a lot of that was spent in, in the western part of Massachusetts. And so every single time that I had gone over, because it's, it's just it's just more populated and it feels like the, uh, the same way here in Austin. But it's like when it, when I go out, you see a lot of like just odd things happening just all the time, and yeah, uh, just especially like man, if you can, I, I don't know if you're you're close to any of the um, different uh, like the the Comic Con conventions and all that stuff that goes on, but when you see all that stuff, uh, you kind of got to chuckle every now and then. Was there any point? Because I know you have other stories. And I'm guessing that some of them are, are maybe maybe not 100% based on on things that you've seen, but but maybe like just like pulling some inspiration from around the the, the oddities of, of that part of Massachusetts. Yeah. So I don't think uh, I don't know if any of my stories are specifically inspired from Massachusetts, but almost all my stories are based off of some little tiny innocuous thing that just my mind starts spinning it. You know, I was on a road trip once and there was like a bump in the highway. It re- went right around this perfect little town. And I'm like, why would it do that? It's gone. We've gone over 
every single other town, right? Or it's gone over us. So it's like, why do we go around this one? And I wrote a story about it. So like little things like that. One story I did write uh, that was based on something that happened in my hometown. I was walking home from the train and there was a painting, like massive, ugly, creepy little kids, like all dirty dancing. And I was like, that is the creepiest thing. Took a bunch of pictures, went home and told all my horror friends online, like, guys, I just found this. They're all like, you're totally haunted now, by the way. And I obviously I had to write a story about that. <laughs> so I love that story just, yeah, I love that one. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorites, but yeah, little things like that, that happen. And then it's like, give me a couple months, weeks, whatever. And it just, it will turn into something like the same thing with once upon a time in Turu, um, my story in confirmed sightings, it was a joking, like, you should write a murder mystery about cryptids and it just kind of never went away um, until it was like silver platter. Here you go. This is the perfect chance. So it's like the, the stories are there. You just need like the little that little spark to, to get yep. the going. Yeah, almost every single piece of fiction I've written, you can, I can point to the moment, like the tiny thing or like the thing someone said that turned it into something. Is that pretty much what it's like for you, Bridget, as well? Or do you kind of have to like, are, are you more like a pantser or a plotter as far oh, as- Oh, like I am a complete pantser. Um, um, I, my method, and I do not recommend this to anyone, um, is that <laughs> I scare myself first, and then I just start telling myself a story around it. And I repeat it until it's worth writing down. <laughs> like I don't write it down until I've got a beginning, middle and end. Basically, that's uh, that's how I do it. I am always, I have way more ideas than I'll ever have time to write. And I know my husband who loves that I do this and is a big supporter still will be on vacation. And I'm like, do you know would be awful right now? And he's like, please don't tell me, just please don't tell me. <laughs> So many stories have come from that. Like, what's the yeah. worst possible thing that could happen right this exactly. moment? So you, you go out with a group of friends and like everyone else is like, oh, you know, it's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And you're like, well, <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you five. So one of the other things that I, I was curious about um, is just in general, so y'all, have a lot of stories that are out in anthologies and a lot of stories that are out um, in various collections. And I have gotten a myriad of answers uh, for this. And a lot, I think a lot of it comes down to um, the deadlines as well, as far as when people are posting things and what they're looking for. Uh, but between the two of you, how do you approach preparing for um, submissions for, for these various collections or anthologies? Is it sometimes, Ryan, like what you were saying with like the, you get that light bulb idea and you're like, oh yeah, I'll go ahead and write this. Is it mostly prepping even, if, I mean, even like not like uh, prepping and in, in as, as far as planning your stories out and getting them ready that way. Uh, but is it something where you write stories that are more targeted towards the collections and anthologies when you get to that point or when somebody's looking for one or do you just specifically try to figure out how to write those stories when the submissions or the submission calls come up um for me it's totally like absolutely no planning i see an interesting call i even have this great idea well formed i maybe start writing it and it's not going where i want 
and I toss it and I miss the call and I'm like, well, that stinks. That's happened so many times. Then there are other times, you know, I might go write that story eventually, uh, submit it elsewhere. Um, if, if that right, I guess, moment comes to me, but then there are other stories where I'm in the middle of watching a movie with my husband and an idea comes in my head. I'm like, pause it. I have to write the first page. I bang it out next day, finish it up, polish it. And it's submitted off within two days to just anywhere that's open that I can send it to. So it's like two sides of the coin. Like no matter how much planning goes into something, it might still get thrown out the window in favor of something that came from nowhere. (laughs) So for me so far, every submission that I have done has been for that submission. I've written specifically for that call. And I only submit to the calls that, you know, give me an idea, essentially. I learned that uh, I make a face when I'm I'm writing in my head, when I'm telling myself the story. And my husband finally stopped asking me, what are you angry about? He's like, oh, she's just writing. That's what that face is. Because I'm just like sitting in the, you know, just sitting over there, just thinking it through in my head and telling myself the story over and over again. The ones that I have submitted that were not accepted, I'm considering putting in my own collection just called uh, Bridget D. Brave is not for everyone. That is my my big idea there. So <laughs> so far yet, I have not written anything that's just for me. And yeah. um, I, I do want to take some time this year to do some of that. But uh, submissions keep you pretty busy if you're trying to keep up with them. Yeah, yeah there's no way. No way mm-hmm. to keep up with everything. Yeah. So what, where do you all, are you guys just going off of um, just different spots on like Instagram and, and Twitter and, or are there forms that you're following or newsletters or is it just a kind of like a mirror of everything? A little bit of everything. Um, I, you know, the submission grinder website is really helpful. Um, you can kind of tailor a weekly digest uh, that'll email you open calls, closing soon, stuff like that um, based on like pay and genre and word count and all sorts of stuff like that. I found that really useful. Um, you know, I'm in a, a few writing communities as well. Um, and we do a really good job of sharing uh, resources, um, different open calls, stuff like that. So it's easy to keep track of the deadlines and stuff, even if I almost never make them. Yeah, I think we're in all the same writing discords and they've been pretty <laughs> great resources for letting yeah. me know what's out there and what's available. And then sometimes Ryan is actually my source because she follows way more places than I do. <laughs> so she'll say, hey, are you sending anything to this? And it's like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> so yeah. is there how the three of you... And we were um, all on a one of the writing servers together and... Um, we were going to StokerCon, so we kind of planned out, and we were going to share a room, and I don't know if the, the friendship just kind of developed around that, and then it just became the three of us. I and think it actually, started, yeah. it started uh, at least with Bridget, when I sent her a book, and like this book exchange yes. we did, and then she read it, I think it was Stories of Your Life by Ted it Chang. It was. And she she DM'd me and she's like, Ryan, I'm crying in my bathtub right now because of this book you sent me. And I was that like, is exactly what I was just about to say. I was like, I was crying in my bathtub messaging Ryan, like, you've got to, <laughs> this book is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Is that so uh Ted Ted Chang's book that is that the one with is with arrival in it? Or yes. is that a different one? Yeah, okay. yeah. story of your life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is not yeah. even the most devastating one in there. It's no. like there are so many that are yeah, yeah it is a great book. Great collection. I highly recommend it. It is pretty odd, like looking at, I don't want to say the way, right? Because I'm not, I, I'm not quite sure how they're 
you know, deducing which one that they want to make into a show or a film or something. But especially when you're looking at um, author collections or anthologies, and it's like sometimes when they they pick films, it's like don't don't get me wrong, Arrival is an, a phenomenal film. But when you look at a lot of the other stories that are present and those kinds of collections, and it's like he chose he chose that like that's yeah. the one. Like, are you not? doing any of the other ones <laughs> so it's, it's there's actually a stephen uh, king collection i feel that way about because i feel like they adapted a couple of them and the name is escaping me right now but they're finally adapting the one that i thought was the scariest which is the boogeyman oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah that was such a terrifying story 12 year old me was just beside herself over that <laughs> so yeah very excited that one's coming out yeah there's um there, there's a few other i guess anthologies that i've read over the years where they came out with some pretty cool films and then like they just kind of like came and went and like no and one of the weird things too is is the the lack of accounting for the author sometimes when you get these adaptations like of course if it's Stephen King you know they're like ah there he is put him on the freaking thing you know it'll sell millions you know and then if it's like a, a smaller author not only do they change the title <laughs> but it's like they just don't say anything about the author. And yeah. It's like, do it's like do they have do they okay that? Or are they is it just one of those things where it's like we want to option your your story and then we're just not going to say anything about who you are or where we got it from. So. There was one recently where I actually got to witness some of the discourse surrounding it, both with the author and around the author. And um he uh it was Paul Tremblay with Cabin at the End of the yeah. World. And um he said he's like, I I negotiated that my name wasn't going to be on the poster. He said, because, you know, he didn't feel his name was a big enough draw at the time. He was mm. like, you know, but maybe this will get people interested in it. And then, you know, next time. Mm -hmm. But uh, so they decided to go another way. But I think that, you know, sometimes the adaptation just gets changed so much that it's like maybe even the author doesn't want their name attached to it any longer. Yeah. Or, you know, those contracts can be so complicated. Yeah. And then, like, I mean, I've heard of sometimes um, a special, well, I, I can't say sometimes because I like I always include uh, video games and anime in my adaptations, but there's a lot of times where it's like it just, it gets to the point where the adaptations are just in name and like everything yeah. else is like, well, we have some characters that you might know by like, you know, the face, but everything else is different. And it's like, why did you adapt it then? <laughs> I actually think about adaptation and that the movie adaptation, which is um, based on the orchid thief, which is about, you know, this guy growing exotic orchids. And it took a crazy fun direction in the film that involves the author in it. And everything. <laughs> so it was it was fascinating. And, you know, sometimes that's kind of fun to play with, too. I would, you know, I don't think I'd be closed off to the idea of someone just taking a wild ride with one of my stories and taking it in a new direction, just even one of the characters. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I think of one that went in a terrible direction is Stephen King's The Dark Tower. That movie was just, we pretend it doesn't exist. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, I live for the day when maybe someone can pull it off, but yeah, that was, well, you that know, adaptation was bad. The Flanagans. Yeah. I yeah. hear... Yeah. But I still doubt. I still I, doubt. I, I have hope. I'm hoping. Yeah. I feel like that's one of those things, almost kind of like what happened with um, 
it was supposed to be the original Alien 3, and then it got coined Alien 5 for a while, and then went back to 3, but they were going to focus more on things that happened directly after 3. Uh, or after, not after 3, after 2. So it was going to be um, yeah. Aliens, and then this other one. And the story behind that, you can check it out. It's, the, the book is on Audible. Um, I can't remember who the author is. Um, but it's on there and it's basically like a, the script and then it breaks down some of the script and everything. And it's like all the things that the fans wanted. And then it's like, but then we got three in resurrection and it's like, you know, sorry if either of you are. Oh no, I, like I am the biggest right? alien nerd in the world. And <laughs> it, so many things about that broke my heart. So, yeah. yeah. Or then um, was it, was it Prometheus was. Yes the same way it was like five different people worked on the script and like five oh, you're gonna get comments the prometheus stands are yeah are so hey, rapid. you know yeah. you know that's fine <laughs> I, I like prometheus i just think it could have been handled better <laughs> agreed <laughs> it looks fantastic you know yeah it's a beautiful <laughs> film but it was not didn't feel like an alien film so, <laughs> so so just on the matter of um adaptations and, and just bringing things to film and the kind of things that that we're interested in if uh either of you were ever approached uh by someone to either make like a, a short or a show or you know some something that you have put out there for the world what would be like some of the different um stories that either of you would want to see be done Oh, I want Harvest Queen to be a movie, a series, and a musical, honestly. Um, <laughs> I'm writing the follow-up to it now, which is a novella called Central Hike and Eat Me. And um, it's, you know, about, uh, I write all of my stories, except for one set in the same area. And uh, it's the area I grew up in. And, and it's about our crazy homecoming tradition. But I just kind of, I took it a little bit farther than we do in our homecoming tradition. So um, yeah, that one I think would adapt great. And I would love to see that, especially the musical version. It'd be like the new Heathers. Okay. okay. Uh, this is a tough question because I feel like some of my stuff is a bit abstract and maybe wouldn't uh, translate too well to the screen. But I think my story, the Richardson family reunion, speaking of what awful thing could happen right now while I was eating dinner with my family. That's how that story came up. That's coming out in Howls from the Wreckage in June. It's my favorite. It's uh, more action-packed. It's about some about a sisters and a pretty shitty family in Alabama. It's fun. It gets real weird at the end. And I I have a spinoff story from that separate world sort of story uh, that is connected. Um, and it'll make sense when you read it. That is going to be in Clark's world uh, soon. And I think those two connected stories I think could could do really well, especially the Richardson family reunion. We might have a Ryan cinematic universe. <laughs> I you know. have maybe slowly started connecting things and I have nice. plans to keep going. Uh, so, yeah. Love it. So, so in those terms, are you more of a, a, a planner or a pantser or is it just weaving the ideas together is the only thing that's really planned? I'm a total pantser. I I've tried to plan and like, some things I very, very loosely plot. And then once I get it on paper, like I knew who the killer was in mm -hmm. Once Upon a Time in Turu, but like all the details around there, how we got there, how it was revealed and all those details, 
I figured it out as I was going. So I was like, I just need to get to XYZ person being the killer. How am I going to get there? I have no clue. And it kept changing uh, as I wrote. So total, total pantser. Um, I think of an idea for a story and I'm like, I could add that one tiny little detail that's completely innocuous that no one will know about, but it connects <laughs> my two stories. There you go. <laughs> It's like the, the the red trash can on the side of the street that, you know, both characters pass and notice. And it's like, yeah, oh, they noticed the same thing on the same street. OK, exactly. <laughs> Some of my stories have major connections uh, where you, you don't need to read one or the other. You can read either and enjoy them. But when you read them together, you're like, holy crap, there it is. So with a, a, a room full of pantsers, this is one of the things that I always try and figure out. And this is good because both of both of you have stuff out there and I just have piles of writing that no one else besides me has, had, has read yet. I should put something out, but I haven't yet. But when you're writing for short stories, so it, it seems like the majority of the time y'all are writing for submissions. Um, so you have that idea of like your max word count. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a time where you either start writing, like you said, like you said, like uh, Bridget, when you were working on the initial story for um, confirmed sightings and you realized that it wasn't the story that you wanted to put out? Uh, are there instances where you start writing and you notice either it's not going the way that you want it to go or it's going in a direction that you have to change either the story or you know, just pursue it at a different time because you want to tell that story, but you can't for that particular project? If I could, I could point to my Google Drive full of half-finished projects now. And I, I'm also, I am not afraid to cannibalize my prior work because sometimes I will have a scene or a setting or a character that I love that just did not work in that story. So I steal it and put it somewhere else. And I'm not great about organizing my Google Drive either. So all of those documents are like untitled document or just have one word as the title, like I'm supposed to know what that means. So yeah, there, there's, yeah, it's a lot of piecemeal work sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's stages for me. There's the notes file on my phone that is called dreams because I started putting my dreams in it. And then I just started putting my ideas in it. And it's just a hodgepodge of weird shit. So when I am writing a story and I need like a weird element, I go to it and I'm like, what's a weird thing I dreamed or thought of once and add it in. Um, and then there's like the second layer where I had a really good idea. I wrote it down a couple of days later. I'm like, I'm going to get, create a Google drive file, create a folder for it, like give it a title or a TBD something. And then I write like the first paragraph, first page, and I'm like, that's good. And then I leave it and then it sits <laughs> and I have many of those files. Uh, it sounds very similar to what Bridget has. Uh, but when I've graduated to Google Drive, I mean, that's like a huge step. Um, <laughs> actually finishing a story though, you know, that's. <laughs> the, I think the, the hardest thing, well, I, I want to say it's hard. It's, it's more uh, hilariously frustrating is is definitely going back and and looking not only at um like especially because I, I like to write a lot of my my dream sequences down as well and so it's like when I when I open up certain files and I look at it and I read like the paragraph or two and it's like not only is it written speedily and that like you know just woken up delirium <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense but you're all like I'll, I'll be sitting there and I'm reading it and I'm like what 
what was I trying to tell myself when I like yeah. this must have been a really good idea and it's like you want there's something there that you want to pull out and and work with but it's like did was I did I like was I drunk when I woke up and, and wrote this <laughs> or like what what is going on like what kind of dream did I have you know yeah so, my a lot of my notes are completely incoherent like yeah. I, I completely mistyped everything I'm it's just hodgepodge I'm like I, I don't know I have no idea what this note means. So I recently learned about mood boarding for story ideas. And that's actually helped me quite a bit because I think I'm more of a visual person. Mm -hmm. So I'll start saving like settings, you know, um, items, ideas that way, like little snippets of things. And then having that overall picture helps me a lot. Oh, okay. See, I've never I've never heard of that, but it sounds like something like if I did that, I feel like everything would just be like dark souls or bloodborne for me oh i'm way too disorganized for pinterest <laughs> but um like i've got a bunch of mood boards on that just for my writing I'm like, yeah okay yeah that kind of makes sense you know yeah it's, it's interesting how many different kinds of forms of, of writing that people have like uh i have a friend she's working on her fourth novel now like she has one that's getting like she just went out sent one out to publication and it, uh she's working on another one which she's going to be I, I guess she's on like her last revision for it hopefully you know you never know she does the whole which like she is 100 percent planner so puts everything out on the note cards and has everything oh, wow. like you know each chapter and the breakdown summaries and everything and has like the maps and like the storyboards and all this stuff and i've i've, I've tried doing the the whole planning and kind of thing before like uh the, like the first year that i moved down to austin I did the uh, NaNoWriMo. I don't know if either of you have ever oh, yeah. done any of those. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, I've, I've never written a fantasy story. Uh, so I was like, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll do that. I was like, it can't be that crazy. And uh, so I started doing like chapter summaries. And then I realized that I, instead of writing a book, wrote a book of chapter summaries. <laughs> so now, it's like, now I got to go back and like, tackle that beast at some point <laughs> I have done the post-its on the wall for storyboarding um which worked great until uh these two kittens arrived and now they will knock anything down that I try to put on the wall so I just don't bother yeah you gotta you gotta give them give them like a time frame and whatever ones they knock down you just have to work with the rest of right them. they'll they'll help the me story plan then yeah, yeah. it's not a bad idea actually <laughs> the kitten method I'll call it I'll write a book about it like the, the the paw twists or something. I don't know. <laughs> I did do um chapter summaries for Turu, um, like one sentence, bang it mm -hmm. out, like this is the perspective, this is what's gonna happen, like one sentence summary. And as I wrote, it just fell apart. It totally fell apart. And I was like, why did I go through this effort of figuring out like the sequence here? Um, mm -hmm. it it didn't maybe it helped me, maybe I had to go through that step to get where I eventually got, but I it felt useless in the end. So what would you say is, is just as far as from when you first started writing up until now, uh, what are some of the different kind of, I guess, uh, techniques you found that really work for you as far as your, your writing styles? Go with the flow. Yeah. I, I just get an idea. I just got to write it down. Um, I got a really good idea a couple of days ago for a call that's going to be opening soon. And I just was like, I just, I need to write it. And I've been busy and haven't had a chance. And I'm like, feel it like slipping from my fingers. 
I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. Uh, Cause if I don't write it, it's gone. So. I think the best advice I got was just to vomit it out. Yeah. I was a person who was constantly trying to edit as I was writing and that's where I'd always get lost and why I wouldn't finish my stories. So I just tell the whole story beginning to end, you know, as quickly as I can. And then I go back and add and fix afterwards. And that's really made all the difference because once I've actually got it down, it gets easier. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first few times that I wrote something and I thought I was going to write it to completion and I just never did. And that, that was like my huge issue is like, I would go, I'd sit down and I'd have a general idea of like, you know, what I wanted to get out there. Uh, but then I'd get to a point where I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I'll take a break and I'll come back. Uh, and then when I came back, I'd be like, you know, you read the last couple lines or whatever. And then that new idea comes in and then you're just like, well, I got to edit it. So then I can add this idea. But then wait a second. Now I got to like go back and do this other thing to correct the the timeline or this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, just now if I feel this might be kind of like a weird thing. So it's like, I have both my both of, I have like my laptop here and I got my monitors over here and then I have like a, a blank space on this side. So I found that it's easier that I don't face my screen when I'm writing because I'll be less inclined to stop and edit anything. I can just do like a complete word vomit. I don't know. <laughs> I think they have devices you can buy. Yeah. They're like mini computers where you uh-huh. can see just like the last couple words and nothing else yeah and you're yes. typing away so you can make sure you're you know not misspelling things or whatever but like you can't read the last full sentence or paragraph see i type on a chromebook when i do write because um nothing else runs on my chromebook except google drive i mean nothing runs well so yeah. discord isn't going to distract me you know uh, it's not like i could open a game or something at that point so <laughs> i'm just going to focus on my writing I have a, as I was going through uh, a box of, of some of my old things and I found an old Chromebook in there and I, and, and immediately, as soon as I found it, I was like, oh man, I was like, I think there's some old writing on here that I could cannibalize. And then I realized that I don't remember what the password is. To get <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so at some point, I, at some point I got to, you know, just settle in and Yeah pull all that stuff and see what I can get from there. So, man. <laughs> <laughs> so both of you have a lot of uh, different contributions to anthologies and collections, some that are uh, not out yet and some that have recently come out. Uh, wh- what can you say about those or what are the, what are the different stories that you, you, you all have either out now or that are that are coming out soon um go ahead oh i was just gonna say we both have one in an anthology yes. coming out soon yeah yes howls from the wreckage mm-hmm. and another um, one too confirmed sightings and am i forgetting one? Oh my god well I don't, oh yeah. is it public yet I don't, I don't know. know. That's why I was. Yeah. We have um, the mystery space, one. Some space horror coming out yeah. soon. Ooh, so yes, yes. yes. Okay. That... I have a, a full window tab of um, alien invasion sci-fi stuff that I've been looking into. Not that I, I don't have enough books already, but 
Just we'll anybody keep you truly posted when that that announcement goes out. Yeah, yeah, I think you'll 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 definitely hear about it uh, from mm. this crowd. So yeah, and that actually that story I wrote would probably be adapt well to a movie. I thought I was I thinking think the same thing. It. Yeah, yeah, it's gravity, but cosmic horror gravity movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah Cos- cosmic horror is a, some some pretty good stuff. Did you all see? Um, I always mess up the title. Is it color, color out of space. Oh yeah, yeah. that's a crazy one. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I never Good really fun. got into Lovecraft fully. Uh, I never connected with his writing. Uh, mm. I found it tedious. Yes. Um, Robert Chambers, though, that mm. is where, and that's I drew heavily from the Yellow King mythos in my space horror story. So that was fun. First yeah. time I've ever done that. Oh, with a with that kind of mythos, or or just yeah, like, a, like using kind of, that it. kind of atmosphere and everything. Or? Right. Yeah, it's fun to play with because um, it's public domain, and so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of those like older writings tend to be very delirium-inducing as far as how much like extra there is in it, and I didn't know until I don't know maybe like eight or nine years ago um, I was having a conversation with some other um, writing friends and one of the things that they pointed out was that the the guidelines for the newspapers is kind of like the submissions now um, but they would have these like shorter pieces and they're like this has to be longer and they're like oh, I'll just put extra frivolous words in there and it's just like okay well it shows <laughs> <laughs> So with the different anthologies that you all have, are there any stories in particular? Like if we, and this is always kind of a a strange question to ask, I feel, but is, are there any stories that you are more proud of than other ones? Like ones that you're just like, if somebody was like, what, what kind of stuff do you write? Like what were, what are like one or two of the stories that you would, would usher them to? I, I would plug two of mine. East Marion uh, is a folk horror story I wrote. Um, I'm not, I don't want to get into politics, but I wrote it before a very major thing that happened in the last year uh, that affected me as a woman, that I wrote the story before. And then this happened and the story just like, it took on a whole new meaning and it like, it, it, it was something close to like, my heart, I guess. It's super fucked up. Um, it was a story that I was writing the end to it. And I, I, it was the only time I've ever had to get up and walk away from my computer because I felt so uncomfortable. And yeah, that's probably the, my, my favorite story that I've ever written. That's in The Old Ways Volume 1 from Erie River, uh, their Canadian publisher. Uh, so it's a folk horror anthology. Um, it's a, very much a folk horror story. Uh, the other one is probably the children's ball based on that painting I walked by in my hometown. Um, and that, I love that story, but I also love that collection, that anthology, just because it was a community effort. Me and 17 others, we did all the work to make make the book, do the art in it, do the writing, do everything. Sorry, we did hire an artist for the interior art, but our, our cover was uh, one of our writers. And it was just like a very strong community project and something, you know, I'm very proud of my story. I'm pr- very proud of the work we did. Um, and that's called Collage Macabre. Uh, and that just came out last month. Okay, okay. 
Honestly, I think mine is a pie saw for Christmas. I think that that is my favorite thing I've written. And it was the first thing that felt like it was entirely in my voice. Like, I mean, that is me there. I'm silly and ridiculous. And, um, you know, I think I was always trying to sound like a real writer and, you know, using my big words for everything they're worth. And then with this one, I just kind of got to be myself and I really love it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So with, with using like one of the things you just said, so like using your big words and then like trying to like, I guess just like fit into certain genres, right? Because I feel like there's, I don't want to say it's like a complete stagnancy, but I feel like there's a, there's like two things going on. So you have like a, a, a this big boom of indie authors, which is great. But then you get a lot of stories that are very similar in the way that they sound. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important is, you know, just pointing that distinction out where it's just like, this is like the first story where you've written, where you really feel like that's who you are as a writer. Cause I feel like, you know, that's what we all want out of our, our work. You know, like when, when you tell somebody you write, it's like, you do, and then they're like, Oh, well, what do you, what do you do? And you're like, Oh, well, I, I write horror. And then it's just like, Oh, well, you you must be like the new, like Stephen King. And it's just like, wait, are, is, is that like the only thing people know about horror? <laughs> this is just Stephen King. And we're all supposed to sound like, you know, Stephen King. And, and then you look at the movies and, and how things have progressed over the, I guess, just even like the last decade. And you get this kind of mix, wash and repeat diet of, of the Marvel movies, which I, you know, they're okay. Sorry for all the hardcore Marvel fans out there, <laughs> but uh, you're going to get comments again. They <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> comments. So here's the, the, the big thing for a lot of people that are starting out. And this is, this is always something that I, I find hard to hit home with a lot of people that I talk to that um, ask me questions, which is pretty weird because it's like, I'm not, I'm not published. I just talk to a lot of people that publish their work. So it's like, I've become like this weird medium for like some of my other friends that are like, I'm thinking about writing a book. And I'm like, cool, like find your own voice. Like you don't, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be an easier journey. I, I feel that way. But what were some of the, I don't want to say pressures, but maybe, well, yeah, I, I guess say pressures. What were some of, the, some of the different pressures when you were starting your writing that you were worried about if you were worried about them when you started writing versus how you approach writing now? You know, it, I always knew I was a writer. I've been writing since I was in third grade. I actually, I have my award that I won in third grade for something I wrote somewhere in this room. But um, I, fiction was tough for me. I was trained in journalism. I, I'm a lawyer and, you know, lawyer is all about beating the creativity out of you basically. Um, so when I started writing fiction and mind you, I've only been writing for about two years now. Um, Mm -hmm. I was impressed that I was able to do it. And I also never knew I was a horror writer. So it was kind of exciting to realize that this thing I loved was something I could actually produce. Um, But one of my biggest fears uh, was really, you know, just getting over myself, you know, because when it's out there, that's you, people are reading you basically. And it's your thoughts and your feelings and your fears and everything else. And I think until I was at a certain point in my life, I just wasn't comfortable putting that out in the world at all. 
And now that I'm a bit older and also a bit more established in my career, so I don't have to worry about, you know, writing a horror story and having it totally derail my legal career or anything. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a lot more comfortable. And uh, the big relief is that everyone in my life has been very, very supportive and very encouraging. So all of those fears were kind of unfounded. So I've been kicking myself about not doing this a lot earlier. Yeah, it's it's really similar for me. It's been about two years since I started. Um, and I think Bridget and I probably started for around the same we did. reason uh, yeah. with uh, Howls from the Dark Ages. And yeah, I, I wrote a story. I did a whole bunch of research. I, I kind of learned how I wanted the story to go. I learned how to critique other people and accept critique. And I never felt like it was any good I you know I read other people's stuff and I'm like damn you know this is good my stuff's so awful and it goes by I don't get accepted to that anthology and I was like do I want to keep submitting this like do I want to put this in front of people do I want to like open myself up for criticism to this and it was like hard to get over that hump and I did it it got accepted somewhere else it's you know, it's great, or at least that's what I tell myself now against the imposter syndrome. So yeah, it's amazing. You're on the cover. Your name is on the cover of freaking Cosmic Horror Magazine, <laughs> Cosmic <laughs> Horror Monthly. You know, that's like huge, right? But in those early days, I mean, it was tough for me to like convince myself that what I was writing was actually any good. And like, I, I think that's something like probably every writer faces is that imposter syndrome. And I mean, I still battle that in my day job, even like you know, as well as in writing. But I sometimes just have to trust my friends, um, mm -hmm. my critique partners when they say something's good. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think having like friends that are interested in your writing that are both interested and brutally honest, I think that that's <laughs> the, yeah. the other important thing, right? Because you could have friends that will pick up your writing and be like, oh, this is good. And then they're like, it wasn't really that great. <laughs> And then you have, you have like the other friends who like sometimes like I, 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 I dread like leaving like my printed workout because I, I try to do like the, you know, I'll, I'll write my stuff on the computer, but then like if, if I'm going to go edit it, I need to have it in like a physical form and then I'll just go back and forth. So it just it, eventually every page just becomes like this weird mess of like scribbles of from like, oh, well, that was like the first round of edits and now this is a new round and we got to go do so. I have all this stuff left out and you know sometimes like I'll, I'll I'll forget that like oh yeah like this friend is brutally honest and I'll have like a movie night or something and they'll come over and one of them will pick it up and be like what the hell is this crap and I'm like ah <laughs> like I promise it'll get it'll get good and they're like no like it was good but like what the hell is this and then you know and then you kind of pick stuff apart but uh I, I think definitely one of the things that most creatives have is imposter syndrome and having that critical feedback and and like having people understand that giving that critical feedback is important you know it's not just all praise and oh yeah every, everything here is great you know like if you could get those those that small group two or three maybe four friends that are like these are the things that maybe you should change um I yeah, I I had a friend critique a story recently and she's like, straight up, this is boring. And I'm like, thank you. Like, that's what I need to hear, right? Yeah. Like, 
that's what's going to make my writing better. And she is like someone I will always, always ask for critique. And because I know she'll be honest with me. And that's so valuable. Clem is great for that. I I talk about it all the time, but my favorite comment I ever got from her, she just highlighted an entire paragraph and it said no next to it. And I was like, okay, all right, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Clem is an incredible critique partner. Yeah, she really is. So what would you say uh, for people that don't have like that, that community or, or friends group, but are still looking for critique partners or, or, or a critique group, what are some of the things that the both of you would look for? And what would you say are some things that kind of just put the, the, the good critique groups and, and, and partnerships above the other ones? Um, I would say consistency, commitment, you know, to make sure that they all want the same thing you do, because that's going to keep them on the same level of motivation. But for me, I work a full-time job. So I appreciate a critique group that also are, you know, that also have day jobs because then they understand like time constraints and tend to give you a little bit more lead time on things and things like that. Cause they understand that things get busy. And for people who are out there looking for something in a critique group, just start messaging writers you know I guarantee they know like a discord um, I have a couple Facebook message groups that I'm in that we share our stuff in people will invite you Uh, the one thing I found especially in the horror writing community is that a lot of us are aggressively friendly we will be your friend and we will force you to write so um, (laughs) feel free to you know join us that's just how it goes absolutely Uh, definitely want to echo that like I think every you know, so many horror authors that I kind of looked up to and idolized as, oh my God, they write great stuff. You know, I'm friends with them now. And it's like crazy to think that relationships can develop like that just because everyone's so friendly and it's, they're just like I am. They think like me, you know, and I think another thing uh, when looking for critique partners, look for people that like the same things that you do. Like I'm a big fan of Shirley Jackson, Thomas Ligotti, uh, that weird kind of like, confusing like weird fiction best Mm -hmm. way to describe it like so I really appreciate people who also read and like those things because they get what I'm going for and they see the comparisons or they see the inspirations and they can help me hone those in so definitely if you're if you want to write you know similar to Stephen King find someone that's a Stephen King nut Uh, Mm -hmm. if you want to write like Shirley Jackson you know make friends with other Shirley Jackson stands yeah. So. yeah, one of the critical lessons that I learned myself when I was first looking for critique groups is I found one where I was the only horror author in the the group. And immediately everybody else that was there kind of was like, you can't do this and you can't do that. And, oh, if you're writing about demons, like they can't take the forms of people that are still alive and like, like all these other weird rules. And I'm like, but why not? Like, but also like, you're not even, you're not even writing in this genre. So it's pretty weird. So yeah, like finding, I would say more than finding someone in that genre, I would definitely agree, Ryan, that it's find people that are either drawing inspiration from authors that you also draw in for inspiration from or look up to, or can just have like that same kind of mentality you know if you're going for like dark gruesome and deranged and everyone else is like let's write about how beautiful the flowers are it's just like (laughs) maybe they're they're not uh the the group for you you know (laughs) so definitely 
as far as like, like going into different kinds of inspirations um, and getting that kind of like a creative partnership going, what are some of the things that got both of y'all into the genres in the first place as far as either writing or movies or games or just people in general? Stephen King. Yeah. Like when I was a little girl, my dad handed me Carrie and said, you know, I loved reading. Uh, I always have. And my dad, when I was, you know, maybe not quite old enough, um, handed me Carrie and said, you should read this and then we'll watch the movie after and was very excited about that. So I read it, loved it. The rest is history. He kept giving me Stephen King books uh, my whole life. And I, you know, grew up and read well beyond obviously Stephen King. Um, but yeah, he, he's who got me in. So nice. you see, my parents were really they watched a lot of horror movies. They were also very young parents, so I probably saw horror movies way too early um, because they didn't know any better. So yeah, there's a lot of that. But as far as writing goes, my gateway drug was really Brian Evanson because I read Last Days and I was like, this is weird and wild. And I, I love this. And it was like, it just unlocked this whole new part of my brain that had not existed before where I was like, you know, you really can make this as bizarre as possible. And since the door really opened, I got big into Jeff Vandermeer. Um, I love Carlton Mellick. I love Danger Slater, like Brian Asman. There's some weird stuff out there and it is great <laughs> to read and, you know, to be a part of too. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say uh, for modern stuff that got me into writing or made me realize what I could do with writing, uh, like John Paget's collection, uh, The Secrets of Ventriloquism that book just made me realize what you could do with fiction, you know, and I, I, this is one of my favorite collections ever. Um, and I also subscribed to Vesterian, his, oh, yeah. his magazine yeah. and the, the, the fiction in there is just, I strive to write fiction like that. That is the perfect, it, I find it to be perfect. I love it. I think there's probably a good amount between between online magazines and then just like the stuff that you can pick up in the bookstore I feel like you could I mean if you had the money I don't know I know none of us do <laughs> but uh you know I, I, sometimes I just think to myself it's kind of like the uh the Twilight Zone episode where where the I can't, can't remember the title but it's like where the the bomb goes off and the guy has the glasses and he's mm -hmm. like oh, I'm just all the time I can to read now and it's just like I feel like there there are so many people out there who would just want to just sit, like spend all of their time reading and I feel like there's enough content now like where we can uh, oh yeah we're never gonna run out of content <laughs> yeah if you told 12 year old me that I'd have more video games than I could ever play in my lifetime I I wouldn't have <laughs> believed you so yeah so that's where we're at yeah well video video games is, is a whole other kind of weird medium that I, I've been quite an advocate for just because I, I really like storytelling and I feel like especially with video games a lot of people still look at it as like this weird medium that just wastes time and they're like you know everyone's like oh well grown-ups don't play video games and it's just like but you read books and you watch movies and you're still sitting down and you're actually just not doing much of anything while you do both of those versus when you're playing games, at least you're you're interacting with the stories. And I feel like the 
the the story interaction that a lot of newer games have now that like people have just been trying to like draw the inspirations from different kinds of books that they've read over the years and then they put them into games so it's like you get to experience that so it's like it's it's a whole other level of experiencing storytelling and how it impacts people in different ways so you know just the the difference between like the different storytelling mediums has always been kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. I'm not a huge video game person, um, but I am suffering here. I think on day five of having not played Tears of the Kingdom and I'm <laughs> trying to make it through my vacation. I purposely didn't buy it because I didn't want to ruin my time here. So I'm waiting till I get home uh, in a week. So. <laughs> not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. <laughs> I do love some video games. I'm just, I, I definitely, you know, Bridget is a fanatic uh, from my perspective, at least. Uh, <laughs> oh no, from a lot of perspectives. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's the expert. It definitely has the, the most comfy looking chair out of the three of us. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Serious business. Yeah. So, so do both of you, you, I, I think we, we may have addressed this uh, earlier, but do both of you, write on a computer or are there other other uh methods to to how you piece your stories together for me the computer is the only thing that can keep i can keep up with because uh handwriting is just too slow for me um i tried that because uh, i thought maybe it would be better for my creativity but i need to just be able to type quickly so yeah i'm mostly computer okay okay yeah same i'll take notes on my phone but i i hate typing anything significant on my phone i just don't like using my phone for most things so uh when i'm doing anything serious i definitely sit, i want to sit down quiet environment on my laptop close discord if i'm being really serious i'm easily distracted <laughs> same so i'm guessing you don't you don't write with uh music in the background or anything uh, occasionally I'll throw on like white noise. I have like, a a storm soundtrack, uh, like just as like an hour of rain and thunder. And if like my husband's watching TV or something like that, um, I'll throw my headphones on and go right in the rain, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> yeah, I have a, I, I tend to make my own soundtracks and I, I think that's one of the other things that slows me down for, for my writing is every single time that I write, I have to have music playing. And that kind of just like sets like the mood and the atmosphere of everything. <laughs> but I know I it's playlist leading up to my writing. Like when I was writing the 90s horror story, I had like a continuous playlist in my car that kind of like was endemic at that time for me yeah. so that I could, you know, be in that zone. Yeah. So it's like the, it's like the, the visual boards that you brought up or, earlier, but it's the, the music mood board. Yes. Or, the vibe, uh, the, the pure, say. pure moods collection. Yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, does that like change depending on, on what you're writing, uh, the, the, the atmosphere of it, or, or is it mostly certain artists that you listen to? Or? You know, um, my big thing is I can't listen to anything with lyrics unless I'm super familiar with the song or it will distract me when I'm writing. Um, other than that, uh, a lot of those like lo-fi beats playlists on YouTube, I will just put one of those on and just listen to that while I write because it gives me, you know, it keeps me from being distracted by any other noise that's going on. I live in a big old Victorian house, so there's like all kinds of noise around me all the time. That kind of thing just keeps me focused and in the zone and I know it's not going to do anything 
crazy and throw me off key or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're drawn. It's pretty crazy already uh, that we're we're coming up on the time and everything. But so this is this is the part of the show where I like to ask uh, whoever's on the the show um, just any kind of more like pertinent words of wisdom that they might have for somebody that could apply to both um, newer writers and, and people who have been writing for a while. And it's just wondering um, what advice the two of you had for um, creatives out there. So my big one, and I will talk directly into the camera because this was the most important thing anyone said to me. And it was, there is probably nothing wrong with your writing that an editor can't fix. So stop being afraid of it. Just get it down, get it out there, get it in front of someone else. They can help you make it better. And even if you think it's absolute crap when it comes out, that's why we have critiquers. That's why we have editors. The idea is solid. Let somebody else help you with the craft. Okay. Solid. <laughs> yeah, uh, it just, I'll say something different, but I do want to echo everything Bridget just said. That is very, very well said. Um, if I can do it, I think anybody can. So, um, my advice, two things, say something and read a lot, um, read modern fiction, read old fiction, read novels, read short stories, read as much as you can, especially after you start writing. I feel like I read things differently now and I learn different things now that I've written, now that I've learned, um, so read, 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 and say something. Every story needs something, I think. Yeah. So, and I think there's there's a lot to there's a lot to saying something in in your story too, because I I think a lot of times uh, when people are either reading or or watching, especially with horror, um, there's this weird kind of disconnect I've been noticing people have where it's like they watch something because it scares them or it makes them unsettled, but they miss a lot of those kind of um, subtexts that are hidden within a lot of the different stories. And one of the things that I've noticed since the, I've, I've started doing this podcast is like people hit me up and they'll be like, I never realized that there are all these different kinds of things that are going on that people are writing about or experiencing or anything. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, there's books out there that are literally written so people can get through their traumatic events, you know, and, and a lot of that gets, you know, manipulated and personified into the way that they make their writing approachable for different people. And, you know, other times um, it is just being able to accept the fact that like, yeah, like we're going to write this crazy story and there are no parameters and we can go and, and push those envelopes and have fun with it. Um, like Bridget, like what you were saying earlier with um, Danger Slater, I, I just read uh, my first book from him. It was uh, the, it was, was it the, somewhere around here, it's on my desk over here somewhere. Oh, the apocalypse. I think it was like the oh, Little Miss Apocalypse. Little Miss Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a good one. <laughs> it was just so just, out there and I was like okay I'm like you know and I had read some of the uh the Melick uh Carlton before and it's just like you can have that like just goofy like what the heck am I reading kind of stuff or you can have like some super extreme horror um or you can have cosmic horror and it's like all these kinds of subgenres uh especially within horror that 
tie into all these other genres, you know, like you can have sci-fi horror, you can have like supernatural and spiritual horror, or you could have uh, like one of, one of the, the big things I always thought was interesting is when I, I used to work at uh, Amazon corporate and I would talk uh, with some of the people that worked at uh, the Amazon gaming studios. And one of the huge things that they always pointed out was that for their fantasy games that they work on, which, you know, I don't think any of them have ever taken off. But one of the things that they talked about was how um, for a lot of their fantasy stuff, they looked for people that also read a lot of horror because they felt that without those roots in horror, you can't have believable fantasy, which I thought was pretty interesting because it's not the, the fantasy is the, the, the escape versus the horror is the escape while using generally uh, while using relatable and real life scenarios uh, or things that have happened. So, so all pretty interesting things, how that, how, how all that kind of just like, melds together with everything so uh, are, are there any um i know you all have a lot of different projects that are coming out some of them are unnamed and we'll I will let those be for now uh but uh, is there anything that either of you are um excited about i know you, you have uh the new book confirmed sightings that's coming out on june 1st um what else you all got going on or are excited about that you may or may not be involved in so yeah, we well we've got House from the Wreckage coming out also in June. So um, that's going to be huge. Uh, really beautiful book there. Uh, the yeah. art, the um, the cover, some great writers inside. I'm very excited about um, sharing a TOC with a lot of these people. It's it's amazing. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, look for the space horror announcement coming out soon. And you know, of course. Confirmed sightings. I brought my Piasaw pillow over so that you can see. Clem um, did pinups for all of them. So this is Piasaw's. Right. He's he's dropped his little ice cream cone. He's just so sad. <laughs> so yeah. So obviously, Howls from the Wreckage. Uh, besides confirmed sightings, Howls from the Wreckage is the uh, next big one after that. Um, and then I do have a story coming out in at some point in future from Clark's World. Um, probably my uh, most exciting wild acceptance I've ever gotten in fiction. Um, so I'm really excited to see uh, when that comes out. I haven't heard a date yet, unfortunately. And uh, speaking of bringing people here or not people, but Yetis. Oh, yes, I have, your... This is Orly, Orly, the, the police foot. She's actively investigating a murder right now. So I highly recommend, I don't know when this is going to come out, when it's going to air, but Check out hashtag confirmed sightings on Twitter and you can follow along with Orly's investigation. There's been blood spatter and fingerprints it's and been a real roller coaster. Yeah. It's, a yeah. whole convenience store battle between Bucky's and Wawa. That whole mm -hmm. that got all involved. So it's been quite exciting. And I think we're I think she's getting close to an answer uh, here in the next day or two. So Excellent. yeah. And where can we find you all? everywhere online at bd brave so b-e-e-d-e-e -E -E brave that's the tag i use everywhere so. <laughs> <laughs> yep and mine is ryan marie 47 so just my first and middle names 47 twitter and instagram i do have a facebook i don't even know what my handle is over there unfortunately <laughs> i don't think i have one <laughs> Follow um, me, I'll point you to Ryan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have a I have a link tree as well that links to all my stuff, um, and that's linked on both Twitter and on Instagram as well. So, all right. Well, thank you both for 
chunking some time out of the day to come on here and talk about books and writing, all sorts of other stuff. And everyone who's listening, make sure to check out Confirmed Sightings on June 1st. And until next time, y'all keep being the amazing people y'all are.